Thank you, Dr. Scott. It is great to be with all of you today. And um, I feel like Susan McKeithen has become almost like a personal assistant to me over the over the last six or eight months. We've gotten to know each other very well. And uh, I, it's a privilege to be a part of the NBC board. It's hard to believe it's been about five years I've been on the board now, which is really crazy to, um, to believe that. But um, yeah. I'm thankful for the opportunity to serve. And uh, just like you're teaching at the Bible College at a very kind of a critical point in the Bible College's history and uh, or working at the college. And we're so grateful for all of you for doing that. Um, serving on the board is seems like a pretty significant time as well. And so I'm glad that we can all partner together and and uh, see see what the Lord is going to do, what what he's up to for the next season and chapter of the Bible College. And I'm grateful that God called Scott to be our president, I think, for such a time as this, really. So um, we're grateful for his leadership. In thinking about all those challenges that we're facing at the Bible College and just trying to discern what what what's the future for the school and how are we to continue to serve the church? I, I was thinking about um, the story of Elijah a bit. Um, Elijah was one of those, one of the, one of those guys that, that did really everything the Lord asked him to do. Um, he was faithful and um, he was a, a prophet that performed great miracles. And he was, he, he was a, he was kind of a spectacle type of prophet, right? So the things that he did, took, you know, made headlines and everyone uh, took note of Elijah's ministry. And Elijah was a kind of guy that uh, when he did things, he did them, he did them a hundred percent and made a big splash in his ministry. There's not a lot written about him. The narrative isn't really long and lengthy about his life and ministry. And yet for whatever reason, because of those, the way God used him, Israel really seems to have never gotten over him. And um, his name kind of crops up really throughout the remainder of Scripture. And yet there's that one story that that we all know as well about Elijah's life as the great miracles. And that was after his encounter with the prophets of Baal, when he he uh, really proved the existence of God to all of them. And my guess is after um, raising someone from the dead and working some miracles and making a rain and and then defeating God's enemies, you would have thought that the whole world would have come calling after Elijah. You know, he would have been a hero to everybody. And yet we know the story that follows the prophets of Baal is anything but the story of a hero. Um, it's a story of challenge. And it's found in it's found in chapter 19 of First Kings. You know the story. Well, I'll read it to you. Now, Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, great job, Elijah. I think you're wonderful and I can't wait to serve your God. <laughs> she said, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom, broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. And I think probably a parenthetical could say, hoping that he would just die. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank 
strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he, he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, again, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, same thing. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, Oh, Elijah, I feel so sorry for you. I love this pity party that you're having. Let me just sit here and make you feel better in your misery. That's what Elijah wanted him to say. That's what we want him to say to us when we feel the same way. Instead, God says to Elijah, Go back the way you came, go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael. Elijah will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. And then it, the text ends by saying, so he got up and he went to Elisha, dot, 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 the whole story. Um, <clears throat> Elijah, throughout this entire process of wanting accolades for doing good, only gets grief and misunderstanding and people not buying in to the things that he's trying to do. And he goes to the mountain, the Horeb, and he's, you know, he wants to hear from God. And he, the only image he has is the, what Moses had experienced. He wants to, a repeat of that. And God chooses to speak to him and move, but he chooses to speak to him and move in ways differently than he expected him to, as we know, in the still small voice and all of that. Um, and, and I think that I think that we need to be reminded that that obviously. You know, the Bible college is serving and doing ministry in a time so different than the era in which it was founded. And we might oftentimes, in talking to people that went to the Bible college years ago, even on my own district, sometimes there's a longing for the way it was. And yet we have to be reminded today that God is still speaking and he is still moving, but it might not be what we have always expected it to be. It might look differently. It might sound differently. It might appear differently than it was, but that still, that doesn't mean God isn't speaking. God still has a, a, a role for the Bible college to play and a role for us to play in the lives of the students. Um, when, when, when Elijah feels discouraged and he wants to give up, and I'm sure that some of you have felt that way from time to time in, in educational work, 
Um, I know I have in ministry. I, I certainly have felt that way in DS work. Um, certainly sometimes feel that way as a parent. Um, you just sometimes want to give up and you just want to feel sorry for yourself because things aren't as great as you'd like them to be. Everyone's not buying in. Everyone's not joining in, celebrating. Um, <laughs> we can all... You know, Susan, you can edit this out, but we can all be mad that the general churches and open up all the coffers and dumping all the resources on the Bible college that we'd like to see them do <laughs> all of that sort of stuff. We can kind of start to feel sorry. And and yet when we when we feel that way, um, God really doesn't come to us in our in our discouragement and and speak into that or lean into that. Uh, God is not a misery loves company kind of God. Um, what God says to Elijah is first and foremost, those verses five through eight, he says, I want you to take care of yourself. First of all, Elijah, get up, eat, sleep, rest, care for yourself. Don't forget your own well-being. You spend your life caring for other people. Don't forget to care for yourself. You know, love yourself, pray for yourself, care for yourself, focus on your own spiritual well-being. Read the Bible, not just for other people, but for yourself. Pray not just for others, but pray for your own well-being. Um, take care of yourself. Go to the gym. Take care of your families. Rest well. Um, don't let this job um, rob you of the sense of self that God has given you. So take care of yourself, eat and sleep. Elijah twice says, I'm the only one left. And in verse 18, God has to remind him, no, there's 7,000 out there that haven't bowed the knee. Um, and I think God is trying to say to Elijah, and I need this reminder, maybe you do, to not, don't exaggerate the challenges that we're facing. Um, don't don't make them bigger than they are. You know, remember Jesus said, don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. We got plenty of trouble coming. You don't make it worse. Um, you're not the only one that's struggling, and we're not the only ones going through these challenges. Um Leadership in church work in 2023 or 2024 is not for the faint of heart. We know that. Um, but we need to exaggerate that because we, we serve a God who who loves his church and he's going to care for his church. And we never have to question that. He is faithful and 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 he will care for the church. And I I was I will say he'll care for Nazarene Bible College. Um and then his last word, I think, to Elijah, again, Elijah's saying, Hey, feel sorry for me, God. And God just basically says to him in verses 15 and 16, Elijah, I'm not going to feel sorry for you. Instead, I'm going to just say to you, get up, care for yourself, stop exaggerating, and then go home and keep doing what you've always been doing. Go back to the work that I called you to. And what is that? Well, for in his case, I want you to invest in and empower people. I want you to anoint king so-and-so. That's all about investing in other people. I want you to make disciples, Elijah. That's about anointing Elisha as his successor. Um, invest in people and make disciples. That's kind of what God called Elijah. He was always been doing that. And I want you to keep doing that. Just go back home and keep doing what you've always been doing. Um, when, when I think about the people, I'm from a small town, um, from a small church in Kentucky growing up. And the people who made the biggest impact on my life growing up were the people in my home church who showed up every week, week after week, year after year, spending time with me, discipling me, loving on me, caring for me, singing to me, putting up with me, spending time with me, all of those things. And, and they didn't require accolades and they didn't get attention and then one gave them a paycheck. 
they just discipled me and they discipled other people. They gave their time and their efforts, their consistent love for me, their ongoing love for God. And by walking with God every day and walking with me over a period of all of my childhood and teenage years, letting the character of Jesus rub off on them and letting that character then rub off on me, those people were making disciples <laughs> who are now making disciples. And they may not even known that they were doing it. And they didn't do it with a sprint in mind. They did it with a long view, the recognition that what they're doing over the long period of time is what matters. And I think about Jesus encouraging us in Luke 10, 10 to the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Um, mm -hmm. I'll just um, say to you, and you know this, disciple making isn't sexy. <laughs> it doesn't get the accolades. Um, it doesn't bring the big paycheck. It doesn't give the big press event. It's not spectacle oriented. It's not performance centered. It's not a one-off thing that we do to impress a student or a person that we're investing our lives in. Um, disciple making, the work that you're doing at the Bible College is sometimes hard to measure. And sometimes you might even wonder if it's making any difference for God or the people that you're serving. But I want you to, 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 to remember that discipling people is the real stuff of our work for Christ. And that's why I would just encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. Um, even when you, even when it feels discouraging or you wonder if it's, if, if others are taking note or if you feel like you might even be the only one out there, um, even when other parts of the church might seem to get attention, um, the work that you're doing is critical and crucial for the church and never forget that. Um, recognize the work that you're doing is to be done with the long view in mind. So let me encourage you, brothers and sisters, don't grow weary in doing good. Don't give up. You are faithfully obeying Jesus' command to seek first his kingdom and to make disciples. And even when you don't see fruit as quickly as you'd like to see it, just remember God is using your life and he wants you to care for yourself. He wants you to realize you're not the only one, that, that, that you don't need to exaggerate that the problems and challenges we're facing and that it's the mundane everyday work that doesn't get noticed that God is using probably more effectively than you realize. Um, in the work that I do as DS now, um, I think back about when the Bible college was founded, probably hardly anybody was coming to our districts from the Bible college back then. It was so young and so marginal and all of the religion majors were coming up through our colleges and People back then probably wondered, what's the impact? But Bible college leadership took a long view. And now I looked at the back end of that. And yeah, I know we're struggling and we're trying to get more people in the degree program and all those things. I get all of that. The church needs us to do the modules. So we're trying to figure out how do we do that well. But here's the deal. In DS work, I don't hardly ever see anybody now that hasn't been touched in some way through the ministry and the faithfulness of Nazarene Bible College. And I know that the Bible college is raising up people that I can trust <laughs> that are that Bible college is a real partner to the work I'm doing in DS work. And I know that someone comes to me with some touch from the Bible college that they're going to love the church of the Nazarene and they're going to love who we are as holiness people. And they're going to seek to bring that leadership value to bear on the ministries that I'm entrusting them to lead on our district. 
Um, so I just want to say to all of you, brothers and sisters, just keep teaching, <laughs> uh, keep loving those students, those young students, those second career students. Um, keep teaching the people at the Bible College to love the church, to love the church of the Nazarene. Um, keep helping them realize that we can continue to believe in and proclaim a holiness message and have a theological rootedness that is thoroughly Wesleyan and thoroughly holiness at the same time. Um, keep being a person of holy character in your own relationship with these students, not because you're trying to earn points with God or feel better about yourself or earn your way to heaven, but because you know that the people that God is bringing to the Bible college at this particular season in life are people who need other people, somebody else to effectively model what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And if you do that, and I know you are, God will continue to bless the school and, um, and continue to raise up people that God can use to serve the church. And um, I just want you to hear from, you know, from a, a district superintendent who talks to lots of other district superintendents. Um, the work that you're doing is not in vain and that the church desperately needs the ministry of Nazarene Bible College and is benefiting from it. And so I just want to say thank you again for the work that you do. And I just want to pray that God would continue to bless you as you serve the church in the effective ways that you are.